Dior Talks. This year, for the fifth edition of Dior Lady Art, ten contemporary artists were invited to put their creative stamp on the Lady Dior bag. Listen as each of these artists shares their personal experience of transforming the Lady Dior in the latest edition of the Dior Talks podcast series, available on all platforms. In today's episode, Delhi-based artist Barty Kerr discusses the symbolism of the bindi, an emblem of the third eye and the common thread of her universe, and explains how she used this traditional Indian sign with its inherent codes, language and poetry to transform the iconic Lady Dior bag. Working with leather on leather and high-frequency techniques to create a tactile embossed surface, Barty embellished her designs with waves of snake bindis, incarnations of a life force, continuity and transformation. Fabric, textiles and embroideries have always been part of the artist's everyday life. In this collaboration, she celebrates the gesture of the hand on art that travels anywhere. Barty's vivid, decorative Lady Dior bags are equally at home, placed on a shelf to be admired, as on the dance floor. I'm Katia Foreman, a Paris-based journalist, and you're listening to Dior Talks. So, Barty, thank you for taking the time to talk to us today. Where are you? Well, it's nice to meet you. Thanks very much for having me. I'm sitting in London right now. Um, okay. I've been here pretty much all year, actually. You were born in London, but are you based in Delhi? What, what's the setup for you? Um, I have lived in India for the past 30 years now, um, and I have a studio there, um, and all my production and all my work happens in the studio in Delhi. This year, I just, obviously, for obvious reasons, I got stuck in London during COVID, and then I got COVID. <laughs> oh, <laughs> poor you. Did you, are you okay? You're back to strength? Yeah, kind of, yeah, almost there. But I, I seem to be one of the um, people who just developed the symptoms of long COVID. Oh, so it took me a, it took me a very, very long time. It really kicked kicked my proverbial, if you, wow. <laughs> if you want to put it that way. Well, can you make us dream a bit? Can you take us into your world, take us into your world in Delhi, your studio? What kind of setup do you have over there? I have this fabulous studio in Delhi. It's um, four floors. Uh, each floor is set up in a way where sculpture happens on the ground floor. In the basement, I make the bindi paintings. On the another floor is my library and reading research centre. And the top floor, we do all the castings and painting and the works that need lots of air and space. I've always thought of my studio like a, a body, um, it's the sort of, and it's the place that I go every day. Sounds incredible. Is it in a historic building? What kind of area? Is no, it no, it's in a dirty industrial zone. It doesn't really matter because I think once you go inside and inside the building and the work happens, you create your own space. It works for me because that's what my work is like. Um, it's quite interior. When I go to the studio, I just create my own world. So could you tell us more about your work around the bindi, this classical or most sacred symbol. How have you sought to use the bindi to challenge the system and to transcend its meaning? You know, I started 
working with the Bindis way back in about 1998. Um, and when I started with them, the intention was very different than perhaps what it has become for me now. And But one thing that's continued has always been this idea that the Bindis are representation. It's a sign for me. And I always look at it as it's like a code or a language or a type of poetry. When I first went to India, my first years, my first formative years were quite, in some ways, were quite difficult. I didn't speak the language, and that's something that I learned, obviously, over many years. So I think I was interested in creating a way where I could almost make my own language. And I think the language of the Bindis is something that I've invented for myself and my own practice, and now I speak that language. I always think that they mark a time and place, and they are very much about action and the moment in time. And each unit um, is a kind of metaphor for the body. And obviously then they exist in many units and many thousands of bodies, and then they become a kind of collective. And they refer both to an inner insular, more microscopic, cellular, molecular level. But then at times they're also macroscopic, they're huge, they go out into the stratosphere, they talk about time, space, galaxy, you kind of move into like larger dimensions. The Bindi works really carry within them and within the form of them is a kind of energy um, that when you look at them and when you experience the works physically, they contract and expand in front of your eyes. And so there's a kind of this idea of the repetition of them, uh, that you keep doing the same action again and again. They kind of mimic in some ways and relate to this idea of our daily life, our rituals, the things that we do on repeat from the very beginning until the ends of our lives without sounding like they're bigger than they actually are. But I kind of always think of them as this symbol of the third eye which yeah. is your inner consciousness. And so this idea of the I, not the ego I, but the I that watches and sees and witnesses okay. the world in some ways. And on a decorative level, can you see a parallel between your bindis and, say, sequins uh, that are used in embroideries or glittery fabrics? Yeah, of course. Textiles and fabric and... Um, Accessories is something that I've grown up with my whole life. Both my, my father was a textile merchant and my mother had a sari shop for many years. So she okay. sold fabrics with glitter and gold and bangles and bindis and various things in, in the UK. Fabric, textiles, embroidery has always been very much part of my life. My mom is an amazing seamstress. And so we've all learned how to sew, crochet, knit. <laughs> We're always okay. doing things with our hands. So, Magic. you know, for me, this the labor of the hand is quite, um, it's almost spiritual in some ways. I think that mm-hmm. when you create things by hand, they have a very different and very special connection to the person who made them and you. Absolutely. I heard there was a phase in India where not wearing a bindi was considered an assertive fashion statement by women. Um, And obviously celebrating feminism and breaking gender barriers is one of the key commitments of Dior's creative director, Mary Grazia Curie. Is this also something that's key to your art in terms of messages? You know, I think my practice is quite wide and I make many types of works and the bindi paintings are one facet of my studio practice 
And the Bindi works are really about the feminine eye, um, the idea that if you see, what do you see? And the fact that the works also in some ways look back at you. I also make work as a sculptor and sculpture is a very major and strong part of my studio practice. I like the idea that the works are kind of foils for each other and I sometimes sort of say that the Bindi paintings call into being the sculptures through this idea, just through the idea of consciousness to say, I see you coming. I'm a woman who has for many years spoken about what my work is in terms of the feminist ideologies and um, I call many women and I say, look, see what, see what is inside yourself. So yes, the answer is yes to your question. It's important. I love that. And tell us about specifically the snake bindi, your Lady Dior bags. I believe that's the key element that you've used for those bags. Yeah. Can you tell us about the symbolism behind the snake bindi and why one of your bags features this blown up version of the snake bindi in an an iridescent purple colour, which I believe is not a traditional colour for the bindi. I mean, when I work with the bindis, I've taken something that is a representation and a sign, and then I just take it and I run with it. In some ways, when you look at art, art is a form, it's a transformation. So you, after a certain point, you move away from the original space of metaphor, because For me, the purpose of art is to transform and take you somewhere that you haven't been before. You know, you have to experience with your senses and you have to experience the work in the way that you feel about it. The snake is a symbol of transformation. It's magical. It's also the double. I love the fact that these snake forms that I use are almost spermatosa, but also they're double helix. Mm. And so they kind of sit within each, each side. They sit within each other. Yeah, And there's a kind of, there's an automatic and almost um, natural movement of them. They, they make every surface that they sit on, even if you were just to do one, you know, the size of your hand, it, it, there's a movement in the work. And yeah. I, when I realized when I started using them that I didn't have to do anything. All I had to do was place them. And yeah. within an hour of me placing something over an object, I had transformed it into this object now that moved and it defied time space. So they kind of, there's a vibration to them. And that's what I love about them as the ready-made. And of course, metaphorically for me, the idea of the snake is um, change, it's transformation, it's metamorphosis. It's the idea of the Ouroboros, the snake that goes within itself. It mm. represents time, it's cyclical. So, you know, metaphor is fantastic and it's wonderful. And I'm, I'm an artist who gets quite excited by the narrative of things and the thingness of things. Totally. Yeah, looking at the snake binders on your bag remind me of schools of fish, but actually uh, your lady yours are covered in schools of sperm. Yeah. But tell me, do the other colours you chose for your bags hold any messages? You know, for me, I was trained as a painter and um, I came to sculpture much later in my life. So when I work colour is something that I'm really, um, I'm really not afraid of it at all. And I love colour. Um, and to be perfectly honest, when I looked at the bag, I thought about myself. And I thought, what bag do I want to carry? And mm. what colours 
would I want to use and which ones work really well together? And right. what does this bag actually, what is the functionality of the bag? The red one uh-huh. for me is fire and it's nighttime. It's about me and my girlfriends going out dancing. And the other one is a bit more sophisticated. Um, and that's why I took the colors down. I didn't want to use the, sort of the dark jet black. I wanted to use a sort of gray. And they're also a little bit more esoteric. Um, they're, it's quieter. They have Both bags have quite different energy. Totally. So it's also about having a, a killer bag for a night out with your girlfriends. Um, and can you please tell us more about the elements in your personal work that inspired your bag? I've been making the works with the Bindis for, as I said, quite many years now. And for me, it's a kind of language that I've developed. And you have to turn things around. Um, And for me, it's about materiality of them. So until all the Bindis in some ways are quite passive until I activate them. And Mm. that's kind of in the realm of art making. That's kind of what all artists do anyway. And the material has its own inherent properties, right? But you, what I do is I try to push them to become something else. So I'd say the early works were just me playing with material. And then as I started to think about where I could go with the works, there was a whole series of works that became very micro. They were about inside the body. Uh-huh. They were cell-like, molecular-like. Um, so you got a sense of cell structures. And then a few years later, I started looking at them as codes. And so I started writing letters almost like poems, to Mm. people that I knew. There's this whole series of works that I called Heriodes series, which were the letters that, uh, it was a book that was written by Ovid way back in the 6th century. They were letters written by women to their lost and to their lost lovers. And so I did a whole series of works that were literally just lines and they were love letters of things that perhaps I wasn't prepared to publish. So for me now, like I said, the bindi has become a language and I use it to describe or to to help me. I use it as a material. There are so many layers to your world. And what kind of textures did you want to create for your Lady Dior's? Did you want the bags to be tactile? Yes, that was, for me, I think um, that was the fun part because, you know, I'm from India, as you know, and we are the masters of embroidery. And mm-hmm. we are the masters of textiles. Um, you are. And there is just, if you, I mean, in India, if you, if you like fabric um, and you like textiles like myself, um, and you are interested in the idea of the weaving um, in, in India, especially in particular in terms of sari, you know that mm. um, you can pretty much do anything that you want. Um, somehow I didn't want to, it to become an embroidery um, so I was very clear from the beginning that I wanted this bag to be something that was almost like a little animal. And um, I, I was like, I want it to be like my pet. So the tactility, yeah, something that you can touch, but not mm. in a sort of hairy, furry way. It's a, <laughs> it's a completely abstracted and strange thing, something that you don't know. And so that's why I, I wanted to keep the embossing sort of in the leather Uh because I wanted to keep the purity of the form of the bag itself. So to use leather on leather. Right. So what was the fabrication process behind that? It's an embossing. The team in Dior were really 
I mean, fantastic to work with. They yeah. were really easy because they were, you know, when I, when I explained to them what I wanted, they had so many ideas. Well, we could do this or we could do this. As when I'm making my own work, I do do a lot of research into projects and things like that. But um, I didn't have experience to know where they were going to work or what kind of sense, but they got it really really well actually so it was quite a pleasure to work to say I want something I want leather on leather and I want it to have a tactile embossed feeling okay each shape of those bindis has to be clearer so we did a couple of um we did a few tests until we got it right I believe it involved a high frequency technique yes yes of um uh laser cutting and I suppose heat in some ways Uh uh-huh and uh yeah we did two Three tests until we got it right, and then we changed scale as well. Okay. But uh, they're quite beautifully made. How did that play out? Like, did they come over to London, or did you actually get to come over to Paris? We did most meetings on Skype at the beginning. Um, I was on a residency, so we did... Actually, we did one in Paris, because I was in Paris. Um, okay. And then we did a couple on Skype, and then just before lockdown, I was in London en route to an exhibition in Dublin, and we were able to see the final... Um, and then literally a week later, lockdown. And like after this experience with a bag, which other fashion items would be interesting for you to work with? Has this opened up a new world to you? I don't think it's so much about um, the idea. I think it's about the idea of the kind of person or whether there's anything that I can relate to it. I think for me with Dior, it's really about um, it's about craftsmanship and mm-hmm. Material for me is really important. So if I'm going to do something, I'm going to make sure that I worked through all the possibilities of material until I arrive at where I want to. So right. I, I, I sort of knew if I did something with Dior, it was going to be great. Tell me more about what the House of Dior represents to you. I think it's skilled craftsmanship and an attention to detail that's really... Uh, and it's something that my mother taught me when I was really young. Mm -hmm. about sewing, about creating, about making clothes and just using really, you know, beautiful fabrics that last. And so anything that my mother used to make, you know, they'd they'd last 25 years and she Mm. just would sew with such attention to detail. So um, I'm not a fast fashion person. I'm not interested in either either ethically or politically or in, in any way. I mean, I like fashion, so but I like clothes that are just well-structured and beautifully made. Mm-hmm. Did you do much research around the House of Dior, the stories behind the house, the story of the Lady Dior, or did you just want to kind of start from a clean slate and bring your universe to it? I actually did a little research about the history of handbags, anthropologically when and how and who started using handbags, where they used first. Where were the first images of handbags that came out, say, in painting or sculpture? Um, right. If you look at, you know, 17th or 18th century sculpture, you don't see pictures that many of people holding things. And suddenly, way in Europe in the 17th century, men started carrying small little attaches. Men were using them more. And as women's clothes, as, as women's clothes got less voluptuous and less um, about the corset and less layered, they had fewer places to keep their um, things. So you tuck stuff into your corset or into your top. And as, your, as women's fashion became a, a sleeker silhouette, they started carrying more handbags. 
I thought that was quite interesting. And regarding the technical characteristics of the Lady Dior and its proportions, did you sit with it for a while before thinking about how you were going to bring it into your world? Yes, absolutely. I asked for the bag. I said, I want a prototype. Yeah. And I also asked for a two-dimensional drawing so I could make some drawings. And um, yeah, we, I tried out, you know, the template is small. And so yes. although it's like making sculpture, you, you don't have that much room like in larger works. My works are big. Um, they're six yes. foot, eight foot, ten foot. You yes. can make mistakes. And, um, but you're talking about literally a 15-inch template or maybe 21-inch, 22-inch. It's a whole other scale. Yeah, it's, it's quite interesting because um, your finish and your attention to detail has to be that much more microscopic. Yeah, I made a few prototypes and um, we worked from a, a two-dimensional drawing, which was an original Bindi piece um, for uh-huh. both of them. So I made them in real and then we transferred them. And you can't really distinguish what's the front or the back? What, what was the idea behind that? I just don't like handbags that have fronts and backs. Okay. <laughs> I, I just, I think it's, um, yeah, I mean, I'd, I've never thought about it. So, yeah, it doesn't, it didn't enter into my um, consciousness, actually. Mm. <laughs> there should be one. I kept the interior really simple uh, because the outside was just so maximum. We did the tags. I mean, for me, I'm really glad, I think, at the end of a kind of dark, boring, um, unimaginative and uneventful sick year, um, getting those Dior bags in the post was really happy for me. It was just like a really nice thing. You would think, I'm so glad I did that. <laughs> and how do you see the relationship between fashion and art? We've just kind of discussed this idea of how the Lady Dior lends itself to being a canvas. Well, what do you think of this, this idea of bridging fashion and art and what they bring each other? I mean, there's a history um, of artists and, and fashion working together I mean, you had, you know, Salvador Dali. You've, I mean, you've had Sonia Delaunay. You've had so many artists who were interested in this idea of the body as a sculpture, as something that moves around and holds an object or holds drapery. Um, they're, they're both highly creative fields um, mm. with, um, with generally people who love tactility, who like working with materials, who like working with fabric, drape. If you're, a, you know, if you're interested in drape, you're interested in the body. Um, you have a great understanding of, of this idea of how the body stands, where weight is, what fabric, how they drape, the weft of a fabric and the warp of it in the same way that if you're a sculptor or something else, you know your material. And you talked about how important it was to keep it functional as well but do you see your bags as portable pieces of art yes and fun ones I also really wanted to do something that was fun and um, I think you know also there's a danger sometimes that we all take ourselves a little bit too seriously specifically in the art world and um, I think you have to just let your work go a little bit and have fun with it and be a bit free and a bit generous with the imagery and say, you know, yeah, it's a handbag and uh, enjoy it. Have you got to road test your handbags with your girlfriends? I've got them in my house. They arrived a couple of weeks ago. My daughter has already snagged hers. And, um, <laughs> Which one's she taken? <laughs> She's sort of saying I'm taking them both, but uh, I'm sort of <laughs> holding one back. But yeah, 
she's um she's just turned 17 so no i haven't oh. has, has anyone been out with any of our girlfriends for ages it's been it's no. been so long i it's miss so them depressing. Yeah. I miss my girlfriends, I must say. So, Barty, what are you working on right now? Are you working on any new projects that you can share with us? You know, for the first time, I think in about 20 years, I actually just switched off this year. And right. um, I literally just, yeah, I stopped everything. As long as the studio was running, I was okay. Um, and everybody was coming to work and everybody's salaries were paid. As far as I was concerned, that was a great, that was a big tick. Um Things are slowly starting to move back into um, into motion. The, my show that was on it in Ireland, um, which had been closed three times this year and reopened wow. two times now, will run, I think, until July. I think a lot of projects that were running last year will be extended. And the art world, in some way, wheels of motion will start to move again. But everything will just get moved to 2021. Well, Barty, I do hope you get to return to Delhi sometime soon. To end with a tongue-in-cheek question, what do you keep in your handbag? Really, um, <laughs> if you saw my handbag, I keep um, <laughs> I keep loads of pencils, sellotape, a tape measure. Um, I have credit cards floating around, um, <laughs> usually about two different masks. Always, I, I always have two books none of which I'm probably reading at the time. Um, there's always a sketchbook. And I've probably carried the same handbag for close to about 10 years, and I like it so much that it's almost falling apart now. Sounds like it needs replacing with one of your yeah. Lady Dior's. <laughs> yes, I think so too. Oh, sounds quite heavy, your handbag. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thanks for your time, and I hope you Thank get you. Back, to, back to health soon. 